Hey there, it's Mark from Third Shot Sports. Welcome to another episode of Pickleball Problems. Today on the show, I interview Ken Herman. Herman is the CEO and creative founder of the APP, also known as the Association of Pickleball Professionals. It is one of the major pickleball tours out there today for pro pickleball players and amateurs alike. I sit down with Herman to talk a little bit about the APP, what sets it apart from other tours out there. If you are a pickleball player who's considering playing in tournaments, you're going to want to listen to this because we're going to talk about the tour, what you can expect to get from it. We're also going to talk about some of the logistics, putting on a 32 tournament schedule. We're going to talk about players who have contracts that are locked up with other tours, as well as play a fun little game called Is That a Real App? Back in a moment with Ken Herman. This podcast is brought to you by Pickleball Coaching International. If you teach pickleball or want to get started, PCI now offers pickleball instructor certification. And since level one is 100% online, it's perfect to do when you want and where you want. You don't have to travel anywhere to do it. PCI instructor certification is thorough, practical, and systematic. I should know. I built it. It'll help you to become a better coach. And when you become a member of PCI, you get access to more than 70 high-impact videos, audio, sample lesson plans, insurance, and more. Check out all the details at PCIPickleball.com. All right. So, Ken Herman, welcome to the show. I'm really happy you're here. Yeah, great to be here. Big fan, Mark. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thank you. So I want to I dive right in. We'll get into some of the more personal stuff as we go and about you and your role and all of that. But I want to play a little, um, do a little role play here with you. Sure. Let's imagine, <clears throat> let's imagine I am a pickleball player and, <clears throat> sorry, it's a tough way to start an interview. Let's imagine I'm a pickleball player and, you know, I, I, I play at my club, I play around my hometown, whatever. I'm starting to play tournaments. I'm kind of interested in maybe doing some traveling for tournaments. And I know it sort of seems like there's so many tours out there and there's tournaments all over the place. Some of them even have like very similar initials in them. Help me understand a little bit um, what the APP tour is and why I as a player might be interested in taking part in one of those APP tour events. Yep. No, that's a great question. So the APP stands for the Association of Pickleball Professionals, and we are the official pro tour partner with USA Pickleball, which is our governing body of pickleball here in America. So why would a, a pro senior pro, a super senior pro, or an amateur want to play in an APP event? Hopefully I, I want to offer them the best experience I can. I think one of the things that we've been able to show the, the folks is that we try to treat everybody equally and uh, give fair amount of attention for all players out there. We do have our own standings list or our own ranking system. So folks that do compete on the APP tour, they kind of get two wins. They get the first win because they're allowed to work on their UTPR ranking as the sanctioned tour that will help them with their ranking and their rating uh, with the World Pickleball rankings. And then also with UL, also with APP, they can also kind of gauge themselves as far as how they're doing against other players that are playing it, you know, off of the APP tour. Our season-ending championships are the Boca Masters. We held them this past year in January. 
So all players are trying to qualify for our year-end tournament, which is actually going to be held in January of 2023 uh, up in Boca Raton, Florida. And so if I'm, I mean, you know, like I watch the pros online and it's really cool. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I go out and I see all these things that maybe I, if I'm a 3.5 player or a 4.0 player, like I like watching it, but I know I'm not going to be there. Is there still space in these tournaments, like, am I still going to feel comfortable playing in one of these tournaments, even if, you know, I'm not this elite player, like the ones I watch on TV? Well, sure. I, I, I certainly have been told that players feel welcoming. And one of the things I've been able to notice is that we've got a great retention rate of players that have played an APP event, that they've had a good experience and they've come on back. Um, you know, we don't overfill the draws. And we, we watch that very closely. And the other positive thing would be in the sanctioned tours, not only do we have to follow all the rules that are bestowed upon us by USA Pickleball, but we're also watching to make sure that the right entry level player gets in the draws or brackets that they're supposed to be in. We're not allowing people to sandbag. And you certainly do see that more so with an unsanctioned event versus being a sanctioned event. Gotcha. So the sanctioning perhaps then keeps the, the draws a little more balanced so the people who are supposed to be in whichever bracket right sort of stay there and don't don't sort of slip down a bracket to have a better chance of winning that's correct as an amateur player you've got your singles your doubles your mixed doubles rating and my team does a great job of making sure that they balance out the draws getting the people in the right brackets based off of their ratings so that everyone's got a great flight of competition you've mentioned a few times so far um, about the experience of the players, right? Mm-hmm. Like having a really positive experience. Sure. What if you could say, as someone who's, you know, for sure from both sides of both sides of the court, I guess, right? From the outside looking in and the inside looking out. I was wondering if you could say something. Um, what what you think it is that makes for a good positive experience at a tournament for players? Well, that's a great question. There's probably three or four things. One is the tournament organized and running on time, not overpacking your draws and having just long wait times in between play, in between matches. So I think that's a great way to be able to gauge. The second way is, you know, what is the tournament also doing for you as the player? Uh, whether it's a, a program guide, uh, a shirt that we're allowing you to have, snacks that are at a, at a designated tent that you can get away, kind of get yourself in that zone to be able to play the best pickleball you can be able to play. Uh, your bathroom facilities, are they porta potties, which I know the women will not go into. So we always at the APP bring in the deluxe trailers for the ladies to be able to go and use. Um, and just overall, is there a game plan intact? Last year at our golden ticket tournament at the Atlanta Metro, we had a hurricane coming in. So myself, Melissa and Nicole Hobson, we all sat there late at night and we're looking to find other ways that we could get the, the matches played. That was a ton of matches that people traveled all the way across the U.S., especially as an amateur, to try to get that golden ticket into Indian Wells. And we got all the matches in, even with the downpours that we face, with either going to community center, YMCAs, or schools to be able to get that tape out there to be able to to get everyone that experience. And we got every single match in Atlanta. So that was a a yeoman's effort by everyone's part to be able to do that for for just all the players in general. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it is... um... You know, in my experience, people are looking for tournaments and tournament directors to do what they say and, you know, to communicate, to say what they're going to do, right? That kind of communication between the tournament and tournament staff and the participants 
you know, the clearer that communication is and the more that they deliver on what they say, um, you know, everyone understands that when the hurricane comes, you know, you've got to make an adjustment. <laughs> and I think that the clearer, sure. you know, the problems occur when, um, when what that adjustment is going to look like isn't communicated effectively between the people who are playing and the people who are organizing. Sure. And then I think the last thing that probably makes for a successful experience is just the accessibility to get to the senior management team of the tournament staff that's on board there. I've, I've never been one to just sit back in an office when a tournament's going. I think I'm very hands-on walking across the venue. And I just love hearing people's stories, regardless if you're an amateur or a senior pro, everyone's got a reason why they're playing. Everyone's got a story. And it, it is it is an honor for me to listen to what that player's story is for a couple of hours, whether they're coming in from Toledo, Ohio, or they're playing and trying to, you know, have a blind date with somebody when they get on a court together. Everyone's got a story, and uh, I enjoy hearing everyone's stories. I, I hope I hope people feel that I'm very approachable. Yeah, I think I mean I think that is uh, I mean if the various pickleball forums on Facebook are any indicator, I think that's often. Um, you know, the reputation that, that you have, uh, like it or not, right? You end up never really getting a minute to yourself. But I wanted, I wanted to ask you about your role with sure. the APP. You sort of told me a little bit about what the experience is like and, and why people might want to participate in it. But can you tell me a little bit more sort of specifically what your role is? Sure. So I'm the creative founder of the tour, and I'm serving right now in the capacity of the, the, CF, the CEO of the tour. So you know, all decisions are kind of coming in from my end. Uh, I have partnered the last six months with a major sports management marketing team called Intersport, and through their collaborations, have been able to take the tour to another level that I knew I needed help with. 32 tour straps across the U.S. and also, you know, internationally. Um, one of the things I've realized about myself is I may be good at a lot of things, and that the things that I'm not good at I've learned that I've got to bring in people to be able to advise me as far as what should happen with everything. So I'm very much indebted to the team at, at Intersport with the huge portfolio that they have. And look, for example, with New York City, I mean, to, to, to even begin to put on, you know, Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in New York City, you need to have people there in an office, boots on the ground, working with that New York market, trying to bring in New York sponsors. And based out of Chicago right here, I knew that that was going to be a challenge for me, even when we put the deal together a year ago. So with Intersport having offices on the West Coast, East Coast, and also New York City, um, it made that transition so much smoother to be able to, uh, from a sponsorship standpoint, get companies that I couldn't get intact with involved with the event out there. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, that New York City tournament coming up at the end of May um, is something that caught a lot of people's attention, right? Seeing sure. that this was happening uh, the same place where the U.S. Open tennis tournament takes place. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about, about that tournament and what people who are either participating or going there as a spectator or who will be watching online, what it is they can expect? Sure. Well, uh, to me, it's bridging the gap between tennis and pickleball. Uh, you know, USTA Flushing Meadows, that's the heart of tennis here in the homeland here in the United States. So it was a privilege and an honor to go through the lengthy process of getting to the point that a, a contract would be offered and then actually having it offered, you know, it took quite a bit, a lot of time there. When I first started off this APP vision of mine back when we launched in June of 2019, taking it to the U.S. Open was always top of my list. And it took a long time to get there. So whether it's the, 
board of directors from USTA, the senior staff at USTA, USA Pickleball certainly was involved with this and um, we'll always be indebted to all of them. And we're excited about having everybody. We made a golden ticket tournament. So um, with my relationship working with USA Pickleball, the theme has always been what can Ken Herman or what can APP do to help grow the sport? I, I don't need to put another tournament down in Southern California or South Florida. We need to keep going up the East Coast. We need to be keep going in the, the, the Rocky Mountains or the Midwest and kind of hit new areas where the growth of the sport is growing. And that was kind of one of the things I wanted to do and where we've got three stops this year on the East Coast with our Philadelphia, New Jersey, and then New York City Open out there that I think we're really going to make an impression. Um, when you when you play a uh, when you play a APP event, you are required to join USA Pickleball. So you get your pickleball magazine every month and a great membership card and some perks. But what I what warms my heart is a portion of that membership fee that goes into joining USA Pickleball. They are taking that money and bringing it into urban school districts, minority programs, growing the sport with inner city kids, and that that's just how this sport's going to continue to grow and hopefully get us to that level that we all want it to be at. Prior to founding the APP, what line of work were you in before yeah, that? Yeah, it's been tennis pretty much my whole life from hmm. playing college tennis down in Texas. And then uh, I, I was very fortunate that I started working with some touring pros and running some clubs in my career. Um, I've often said a big inspiration for me for forming the, the APP tour was the four or five years I was on staff with the USTA with their high performance program back when headquarters were located down in Key Biscayne, Florida. You know, right now they've got a 110 dedicated court facility in Orlando. And the team that, that we had was only about 10 or 11 of us coaches serving at that national level. And we were in charge of the whole entire U.S. program. Sure. And we would sit in the boardroom and we'd have Jose Higueras come in or Stan Smith would come in and Gullickson, who was the captain of Davis Cup at that time, or Billy Jean would come in, who was doing Fed Cup. And, uh, you know, we were wishing to get tennis to that next elevated level. But it was in that those boardroom conversations that, you know, Billy Jean would often talk about how back in 1972, she told Jack Kramer to go take a hike. And the women's tour broke away. And those nine or 10 women that were holding up that dollar bill when they broke away and they formed the tiller, that was all Billy Jean. I mean, from trying to get the sponsors to legitimizing women's professional tennis and her stake with always being equal pay. So just through hearing, you know, what she was going through while also still trying to be the number one player in the world, um, a, a tremendous feat on her part. And it was a privilege to hear her stories as far as, you know, how she put it all together. And I recalled those stories when I sat down and really kind of did the groundwork with putting this together. I often chuckle. You know, now that now that the tour is built and we're going, I wish I could get Billie Jean back in the room and say, OK, now that I've built it, how the hell do we run it? And you know, can, can we go to lunch, Billie Jean, and share me the secrets. But if you were to ask her if she thought the WTA would ever be a multi-billion dollar tour with tour stops going on in Europe and U.S. all at the same time, I, I'm sure that just blows her mind with how it has evolved. So. I think right now APP is on a great path. I've tried to surround myself with quality people and, uh, you know, going to New York certainly hopefully is a plug, not only for APP, but all of America. Yeah, it is interesting, you know, and again, if we go back to those various online forums, right, you can see <laughs> really extreme sort of versions of conversations between the relationship between, um, let's say, tennis and pickleball, right? And you see mm -hmm. 
in some camps where people, it's sort of like a non-starter of a conversation, um, right? We saw recently Martina Navratilova came out saying, hey, let them get their own course, let's not share, right? And, and, and you get a little bit of that. You even get sometimes get nervous when people who are really immersed in the pickleball world, even if good things are happening, they say, oh, well, is this a tennis person coming in, right? And, and so it's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a tenuous relationship, right? Um, it's interesting to hear your, your experience in the tennis world. And even now, like mine, I work with Tennis Canada, right, as their head of sure. education. And um, I mean, I guess there's a bias there to think that it's actually good when we see these two sports finding ways to work together. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely still some resistance in certain pockets. And I wonder if as you're, you know, you're putting the tour together, and you're looking at different stops, is this, um, is this something that you come across? Are there, is it tennis facilities that you're often looking at and then converting into pickleball? Like how, um, how does that relationship between tennis yeah. and pickleball play out with what you're doing? So that, that is a great question. Normally when I look at a tour stop, uh, I'm very fortunate that my phone is ringing off the hook with various cities wanting to bring an APP tour stop to their city. There's a pretty big economic impact that the tour brings to the community. But I think when you look at facilities, there are really kind of three that I always tend to look at. You either can go to a hotel like the JW Marriott out in Phoenix and bring, a, bring an event to a hotel. You can go to a private tennis club. And then you can also then go to a park district where, where many of your park district clubs are affiliated with. So I've tended to drift a little bit more to, towards those park districts where they've got banks of court because that's where, your park, that's where the majority of your pickleball club members are and if you're going to do these events and you're going to do them right you cannot survive without your volunteer base new york city we've got over 200 volunteers for the five days that were there basically working with the new york city pickleball club and through that partnership with usa pickleball i've got all the support of the regional ambassadors the local ambassadors and you know emails out to them saying app's coming let's embrace this event here and help grow the sport in our community that has been a terrific um, relationship to have. And I value all those many volunteers from the East Coast to West Coast that have given us their long hours out there in the hot sun, just making sure that everyone's got that good experience. You are only as good as your, as your last volunteer. You know, that's the first person a player sees when they walk in. And at nighttime, when they've got that medal around their neck and it's eight o'clock at night, that volunteer is the one that said, great job. Thanks for coming. And it's that last one that sees you at the end of the night as well. Yeah, of course. And anytime, you know, if you work at a tournament, then um, you see that, right? You see the behind the scenes, you see, it's almost sure. like a, bee a beehive of volunteers, right? <laughs> Running around, figuring out what they're going to do and, and organizing. It is such an important part of the of pickleball as a growing sport. Um, speaking of growing, I know that APP is doing lots of different things, right? If you go to the APP uh, website, which is apptour.org. You can take a look. You've got the next gen tour. You've got all these extended yep. tournaments coming. Maybe you can give us a quick rundown of some of the so the top things that um, that maybe people don't even know are currently going on with the APP or are coming up in the near future. Sure. So I I just think the APP tour, you know, yes, we are all about pros, but we're also about trying to find a pathway for every individual to reach whatever goals that individual wants to do. So we've got to get these young kids trained right and also make sure they're making good choices with their schedule, with their own player development, and also with their fitness, who they're playing with. And that was the whole vision of the whole Next Gen program that was created. That is six tour stops. Each tour stop, we're playing in $15,000. 
And that's for that 16 to 23 year old that's thinking, you know, I may want a career in pickleball and I want to, you know, figure out what this is all about. And it costs so much money to travel and it costs so much money to hire a coach. And, and I don't have a sponsor right now. That next gen program is really geared to them, a way that they can figure out where they want to go with their pickleball career, whether it's pro or perhaps they want to go ahead and, and, and just have it be a, a great recreational sport. And through bringing in the senior pros, they've really been a great uh, wisdom as such. Um, we're taking off. We've got two events in July. We've got Rick Witzkin coming out and serving as one of our senior coach advisors and Scott Fliegerman from Colorado is going to come in as well. So that next gen, that next gen program kind of starts things off for these pros. We've uh, reached out to the collegiate program through our association with USA Pickleball and have started the APP Collegiate Series. We held two events this past spring, one at Texas A&M. That's all schools from A&M, Baylor, Houston participating in it. We ran it kind of as a team tennis or an MLP type format where they were playing singles and doubles and mixed doubles. And we ran another event out at North Carolina State, Florida, Georgia, uh, UNC Charlotte, all had teams come and participate in that. So the vision with that program is to continue to just build the sport amongst the amateur intramural ranks and try to find them in 2023, a pathway to nationals to where we could even have a school you know, little duke out going on at Indian Wells, which is, I think, what we've got some meetings lined up for the, the summertime. The amateur tour, you know, from your 3.0 up to your 5.0 player, we have four, five golden ticket tournaments this year, and we are reviewing what additional golden tickets we are going to put into play for 2023. But that really is your main pathway of getting to nationals is going through an APP event and trying to earn that golden ticket to get yourself as an amateur to play in you know, probably one of the biggest tournaments, which is Indian Wells Nationals. Um, our pro tour is on fire right now. We've increased our appearance fees, our hotel stipends. And um, I think with the partnership with MLP right now, there's a tremendous amount of money to be made right now with the pros having flexibility to dictate what their schedules want to be. At the end of the day, I still think, Mark, I'm a coach at heart, and I always want to do what's best for that player to get them peaking for their, their biggest competitions. It's interesting to see how some players play really well out on the West Coast, and then they come to the East Coast, Florida, humidity, wind, playing with a Franklin ball, and their games just break down. So it's so important that you're playing all over the place in different arenas to just keep building yourself to be the best that you can be in all different types of environment. The senior pros have come on board and endorsed the APP this year. We've got a terrific senior pro council. I'm, I'm appreciative that I've been able to earn the respect of the senior pros, and they certainly have been endorsing a lot of our events this year. And I look at some of these draws on APP stops, and it could be like the U.S. Open draw. They're all coming in, and, and everyone's solid. Um, but I value the relationship with the senior pros, and I appreciate the fact that they've uh, endorsed APP. And as an inspiration from the senior pros, the super senior pros have said, well, we want to have a voice, too, because we were the ones that got pickleball to the way it was. Right. And and they're absolutely they're absolutely right. Hillary Merrill, the Hackmeyers, Yoda. I mean, what great ambassadors to have gotten to the sport to where it is that today's generation is making actually a living on it, based off of all the hundreds of lessons that Steve Peranto and all of them have given back when they were trying to grow the sport. So um, we formed a, a super senior pro. Uh, tour or leg of the APP tour and they're all going to be in New York City and they're playing for $5,000 and uh, as they will all say for them it's not about the money it's about respect 
And it's about just letting them just be still a part of the whole family that they were the ones that were created. We, we had the super seniors at Legacy this year in at Delray Beach, and they were just a delight. And they just enjoy talking with everybody and telling their stories. And I, I think that's what makes it so unique and special is with the sport. Yeah, I think, I mean, hearing you talk about it and talking about these stories and sort of the personal connections that you that you make with either people you already know mm -hmm. or that you meet through these tournaments, it, it's very clear to me that that's something that matters to you. Um, well, sure. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned some of the prize money uh, and the appearance fees and that sort of thing. And I think, you know, it would be a mistake for me not to um, mention, I think it's well known sort of one of the competing tours, one of the things that they have done is offered contracts to certain players, which you know, among other things, sort of limits their ability. You talked about the need for pros to be able to choose their schedule, um, mm -hmm. which limits the ability to play um, tournaments outside of that other tour. So I'm curious about how you, as the, you know, the person running the APP tour, like, how does that make you feel, right? How does it, does it, does it cause a roadblock? You know, are there people that you have, you know, would love to have coming play at your tournament and maybe even they say, I'd love to come play at your tournament, but because, sure. you know, they made a deal. Like, I'm, it's something I have thought a lot about, about, you know, I'm trying to imagine if I was in your shoes and this kind of sort of business tactic going on, um, sort of how I might respond to it. Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I get asked that a lot of time. I'm a big fan of the other tours and I'm hoping that they continue to find a path that makes them successful. I know they've had some challenges with some of the things that they've been having to do. And, and I think there certainly is enough room for both tours here in America and, and, and whatever their goals are with where they want to see what their tour grow. It's, it all depends upon what that pro's individual situation is. I think, Mark, the biggest thing I've been able to do is get the respect and the credibility and the honesty with, with all the pros here. Um, I've got a great relationship with all those pros that decided this year that they were going to sign the contract. And for the pros that didn't sign the contract, I think I've got solid relationships with them as well. Um, they may not like some of the decisions that we make, but as long as I'm fair and consistent with my decision-making process, I don't lose the respect of the pros. And I've never seen myself be blasted or been called out by one of the pros out there. You've got some pros right now that financially they need to, they need to take the contract they need to take that deal and and it's too bad that they're in that situation do they need to show up to a tournament in order to get their rent money to pay for their car payment or their car insurance and and you know i i can't step in their shoes to where they're going to be able to go with what choices financially they need to make i can tell you that back in the tennis world if money wasn't on the table and everybody could play whatever events they wanted to and did not have that stress of the money on their shoulders. The best thing for everybody is to play all across and all different types of surfaces, all different types of balls, and just learning, you know, what they have to do in order to win. I take a player like a JW Johnson. Nobody a year ago knew who this kid was. I saw this, I saw a lot of talent out of this young man, and he just kept playing week after week after week. Beer City last year, he gets to the final of an APP final and he wins the final. And his parents were not there. And I was driving home from, from Grand Rapids back to Chicago and I called the Johnson family up and I said, the light bulb has clicked off. I said, I've watched your boy play 75 matches and it just clicked, he's figured it out. And next week he goes and knocks out Ben Johns at TOC. And, and now he's just on fire 
creating whatever path he has to go. But he's creating that path because he's playing week in, week out, putting a lot of matches out there and learning what it's, it's going to take in order for him to be successful. You've got pros right now, Mark, that are in their teens. They've got pros right now that are in their 20s. And you've got some pros that are in their 40s that maybe don't want to play that much. And this is a way for them to, you know, put some bread on the table for them. And, and that's the case. And, and for those pros, I just shook their hand, wished them the best of luck, knowing that there are new pros coming into the, the, the cycle almost quarterly. You've got new pros coming in. Uh, we've got such talented pros right now here in, in America that were not even on the radar 12 months ago. And yeah. I think APP is giving these pros a voice. It's giving them the opportunity to learn what this whole thing is about. Um, and I'm also really inspired by, you know, at least five or six of those pros now have gotten out of their contracts or decided not to renew their contracts because they enjoy playing on the APP or, you know, they enjoy playing MLP mm -hmm. or they want to put that gold medal around their neck at Flushing Meadows, you know, next week when we're at Flushing Meadows and they should be allowed to do that. I, I am here to provide a basis for them to develop to the best player that they can be. I'm not here to dictate to people you can only play this or you can only play that. And it's too bad that some of the pros are in the financial situation where they've got to do that. And I guess time will tell where does their individual player development last to. I, I think if you were to compare the pros that did not sign, the growth of individual development is way up here. And I think if you look at some of the results for some of the pros that have, con had, that have taken contracts, maybe that growth hasn't been as much whether it's limited time on court, whether it's seeing the same player every other week and you're not seeing different styles of play, uh, you know, we're going to see what happens. But if we can get this sport in the Olympics, even as a demonstration sport in 2028, you know, there's going to be a U.S. team that's going to be that's going to be made out there. And it'll be curious to see, you know, which future Americans are going to be a part of that team. Uh, you know, I would always want to choose somebody that's, that's, that's a realistic. Do you think that's a realistic goal is demonstration sport 2028 i think if we compared it to tennis we would take a look at what were what happened when tennis came into the sport tennis came into the sport in the olympics in 1984 as a demonstration sport in la and it went well then two years later it was in the pan am games as a legit sport and then in 88 it went out to korea and was a legit sport in 88 so i think the goal right now is can it even be a demonstration sport in 2028 and had that be just the first step. And I certainly know the efforts of, of APP, the efforts of USA Pickleball, and also the efforts of Steve Kuhn with Major League Pickleball. We are all working very hard to be able to do what we can do to help that happen. One of my biggest, one of my biggest goals that I've been tasked with is helping grow this sport overseas. We don't need to have the Olympics with just US players. This is a matter of me going over to Paris and Madrid in, in England and trying to bring pros over there to help grow the sport so that even though they may be a couple of years behind, you've got players that are there, players there that are inspired to play, which, you know, who knows, there may be another Georgia Johnson out there in England right now that's ready to sprout out. So that's the growth that I know the, of the role that I've got to play through growing the sport internationally. Hmm. Just got a couple minutes with you uh, left. And um, one of the things I'm, I think is an interesting question, especially for you know people who are in positions of leadership and they have an organization to run, is um, you've spoken a lot about some of the things that you're enthusiastic about and you're hopeful for and that you're, you know, that are coming down the pike and you're excited for. 
Um, I'm wondering right now, when it comes to this, um, what is it that keeps you up at night? Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. What are, the, what are the things right now that you know you just you lie down and you start thinking about it and maybe you're worrying yeah. about it? Well, right now you're only as good as your last tournament. Um, we were just at the Cincinnati Open last weekend and the folks in Middletown were just so wonderful again that we were there. So right now what's going through my mind at four o'clock in the morning is, you know, what are all the things that we need to make sure we've got the eyes dotted for as far as New York City goes to make sure that that's just a great experience and a, and a good pathway for people that earn their golden tickets to get them into, uh, into, flesh, into, into Indian Wells at Nationals. But I think, the, you know, on a broader picture, um, just continuing to choose good venues that we can continue to do a good job with um, and continuing to bring people on the team uh, here at APP that I can trust, that I can talk to about, and also needing to see what my role is going to be. I can't be at every single venue, you know, 32, 35, 30 weeks out, 36 weeks out of the year. So I've got to find good people that we're bringing into the APP family to be able to be the voice of Ken Herman if I can't be there for a five-day event, to be able just to let go a little bit to realize that there's other great quality people. It's never been about ego with me. It's always been about what can I do to be a part of a team that can move, you know, the sport into another direction. So I guess those are some of the things that keep me up. But Mark, I don't sleep that much. I mean, look no, at the I'm, bags of my eyes. I'm well, I'm well aware of the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I was down in Chicago this morning at eight o'clock in the morning, loading two 26 foot trucks with 42 nets going to Flushing Meadows. So it's it's just, okay, what's next on the list? What's next on the list today yeah. type thing? A little bit of delegation coming down the line. I suspect. <laughs> yeah. um, You're right. Hey, so, so the last thing I want to do, uh, something a little, a little more light is, um, you know, one of the challenges anyone who's in pickleball right now looks around and you got APP and PPA and that the acronyms can, can drive you crazy, right? Um, so I wanted to play a little game here with you. Um, APP, I mean, I know as many times as I've seen this logo, I still look at it and I think app, right? I think app when yeah. I see APP, yeah, I just read it, app. Um, so I want to play a little game with you um, here called, uh, is it an app? Okay, and so I'm gonna um, give you a description of three apps and these apps are all sort of um, like, you're a very service, service oriented person. The tournament is really, you know, we talked about the experience. So these are all, um, these are all apps that provide some kind of service. Uh, one of them is the real one and the other two is not. And I wanna see if you can figure out which one is the real app. All right, let's, let's okay. go, game on. Okay, um, this first one is called Sunscreen Queen. Sunscreen okay. Queen, okay. So the pool is great and so is the beach, but sunburns are not. And this is especially true if you're flying solo. It can be nearly impossible to get those hard to reach places. That's where <laughs> Sunscreen Queen comes in. Available on Android and iOS, Sunscreen Queen allows you to set a meeting time and place to have someone apply sunscreen to your back, neck, and anywhere else the sun might shine. When using the app, you can read the profiles of different Sunscreen Queens and Kings and read reviews from past application sessions. There's people like Lara, whose review says, Lara is incredibly gentle and patient. She knew just how much pressure to apply, and now I'm a beautiful bronze. I'll definitely be calling her again. The app is free, but costs $5 per application or $15 for up to four people. Okay. 
Okay, so that's the first uh, potential app, Sunscreen Queen. Uh, the second one is called Cuddler. At first glance, Cuddler is just another dating app, like the ones millions of people download every year. However, Cuddler is much weirder than OkCupid or Tinder. Instead of helping the user find someone to go on a date with or even just to meet up for the night, it's designed for people who just want to cuddle. Just go somewhere, share a moment, and a cuddle. It's sweet, but did we really need an app dedicated to it? Apparently so, since Cuddler is very successful. Yeah. That's our second app, Cuddler. Uh, the third and final option here is called Slipknot. Slipknot? Slipknot, yeah. Okay. One of life's annoyances is having to bend over and tie your shoes. We've all been there. You're carrying a bag of groceries, going for a jog, or maybe playing pickleball, and boom, shoelace comes undone. While most people might just take a knee to tie it up, Slipknot caters to people who can't or won't do such a thing. Simply open up your Slipknot app and find the nearest slipper, an expert lace tire who will hustle to your location and offer a helping hand. You don't pay the slipper yourself. Presumably that's what the $4.99 monthly subscription is for but you do get the satisfaction of your laces being retied without having to get down and dirty. Okay, <laughs> so Ken Herman, these are, these are our three choices. We've got sunscreen clean, the app where the person will come to the pool, you get to choose them and they'll apply the sunscreen for you, especially if you're by yourself. We've got cuddler, it's like Tinder, but it's for people who just want a night of cuddling. And we've got Slipknot, the app where you can call someone to come and tie your shoelaces for you. Which one of these three is the real app? Oh, man. Well, if I had to do one for myself, I would probably do Sunset Queen. That would be the one that I would choose for myself. Sunscreen um, Queen, yeah. That would be the one that I would choose for myself. But I'm going to guess that I think the real app is Cuddler. Cuddler. You are correct. It is Cuddler. Yes, come on, <laughs> Cuddler. That's right. Let's you can go. just download Cuddler and go for a little snuggle. Everybody wants a little snuggle. <laughs> Everybody wants that. My dogs at nighttime, they're Cuddlers. They want a little snuggle. That's you terrific. Go. You can, you can <laughs> sign them up on the app. Uh, well, Ken Herman, it was a real pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for joining me. And um, good luck with the tournament in New York, Flushing Meadows. Uh, at the end of May and with all the upcoming APP tour. Uh, people can learn more, go to apptour.org. Yep. All good, all right. thanks. thanks, a lot of fun. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Pickleball Problems. I am really glad you stayed here to listen. We've been gone for a little while, happy to be back. We're gonna be on a regular schedule here. I would love to know what you think of the show or what you'd love to hear on episodes coming up in the future. Why not send me an email, mark at thirdshotsports.com. Of course, you can find us on all the usual social media as well. We're usually at thirdshotsports. And of course, thanks to our special guest, Ken Herman, today. You can check out more about the APP Tour, where they're going to be, who's going to win that money, how the rankings are going. Head over to apptour.org. See you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Pickleball Coaching International. If you teach pickleball or want to get started, PCI now offers pickleball instructor certification. And since level one is 100% online, it's perfect to do when you want and where you want. 
You don't have to travel anywhere to do it. PCI Instructor Certification is thorough, practical, and systematic. I should know. I built it. It'll help you to become a better coach. And when you become a member of PCI, you get access to more than 70 high-impact videos, audio, sample lesson plans, insurance, and more. Check out all the details at PCIPickleball.com.